Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And I have on with me Marcos, who's a fellow Trojan fight on. We both went to the same university, University of Southern California. And we were just talking about what the ROI of, of an MBA is, or maybe even a college degree. So I'd love to get into that topic. But what I'd also like to talk about is the franchise industry, what you've done within the franchising space, how you have experienced hyper growth, i.e. the double comma club. That's a big, big deal. And I want to learn about that and how you accomplish that. Love to learn about that. So, Marcus, if you could please uh, give us a short bio and let's get into this. Let's do it. Uh, Marcos Mora, I'm, I'm one of the co-owners of Amada Franchise Inc. We started the company in 2007, started franchising in 2012. Uh, and I actually uh, originally from Brazil. I grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil, moved here in the 90s, uh, 91 uh, from Sao Paulo, Brazil to Blaine, Minnesota, nice. which it, it's kind of like the, the bird from Rio. Remember the, the cartoon Rio? Ah. He moved from Rio de Janeiro to Minnesota. We, we actually with the, with the moving with the moving truck. What's that? With the, with the moving truck. What, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, that was I have, seen, I have seen that movie every day for the last six months. I know every line. I know every Are you serious? Six, every day it's on your kids. On, yeah. She's she's two. Oh, uh, that's it's a great movie. That's a great that movie. Was, uh, in fact, what one of the, the cool things about that is actually watching that movie in Portuguese. Because if mm. you you know in Brazil when they play cartoons, they dub it, right? And and it's mm-hmm. actually a really cool treat to watch that whole movie in Portuguese. The American characters speak Portuguese with an American accent. Like it's uh, pretty fun. That's amazing. I love the yeah. music. I'm a such a sucker for Bossa Nova music. Oh like really? I've, yeah, yeah. I've I've been to wow. a lot of Bossa Nova shows in my life. Um, wow. So, yeah, yeah. Huge fan. So I love that. Like that yeah. Brazilian Bossa Nova scale. Uh-huh. I love that man. It's it's do you so play, sweet. Uh, do you play instruments? Yeah, man. I I play guitar. I play ukulele. I got a oh, drum kit. I got a drum kit right behind me. Hey. I got, I got congas in my house. Yeah, m- music is a part of my life, big time. That's that's pretty cool. I you know I missed I missed the music thing, but I have three boys and and they practice every single day either guitar or piano most of the times both. Hmm. Uh, and even if it's only um, you know fifteen minutes, but they're practicing every single day. And sometimes they complain, but man, it's been amazing to wake up in the morning and my boys playing piano. So uh, were were you made to learn an instrument? Like, did you have to do it? That is a great question. I had to do it. And the reason why I had to do it was because Asian parents, there's a couple of check boxes on that list. <laughs> and one of them might be at some point that their kid plays the piano or the violin, because okay. then, you, then you can go tell your friends about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do the recitals with the suit and everything. So that's where I started. I started in the Suzuki method um, on the pi- uh, piano violin. But then I, I, then I heard my first Led Zeppelin record, and the rest was history. And that was it. And that was it. And then I moved to drums, and then I played drums and screwed around with the guitar for a while. 
but yeah, drummer number one, musician, you know, guitarist number two. So it's been it's been part of my journey. It's it's a big part of my my creative process. Like everything is kind of syncopated. It's sort of a, a beat to me. You know, there's fills, uh, there's a, but there's a, a solid baseline of foundation. You know, and I, I don't I don't like to move away too much from the foundation until it's the bridge in life, and that's kind of interesting. Ah. So I think I think like that a lot. Uh, you know, as day to day. I've had to learn to be more competitive. In fact, that's how being a musician and then and then really getting into business in my in my mature years. Like what I had to learn how to adapt because there's not really a lot of competition in music in music unless you're at the you know the high school talent audition. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And what and whatnot. So um, there it is. Man, that's that's really interesting. Um, and I I hope my kids keep playing. You know, it, it brings me a lot of joy to hear them play. And, you know, I know you're never too old, right? Maybe I should pick it up. I'm 43 or 44. There is something uh, so sweet about a nylon skin guitar, uh, guitar, nylon string guitar. There is something so sweet. Oh, about yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Because it's soft on the fingers. It's gooey. It's You can play three chords and it sounds amazing. Um, you can put a, a capo on it and hold your chords down. It's it's just fun to play. And And they, even if you don't play... There's a perfect spot on your wall right behind you, right next to that. Right there. <laughs> right next to the Click Funnels record. Yeah. The, the guitar right there. Right there. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. man. So um, you've had you've had some tremendous success in the in the franchise space. And I wanted to understand what your journey was like. You mentioned that you started the company in was it 2007 and then you didn't franchise until 2013? Is that, was that right? Yeah, actually, and I didn't start it. There were two guys here in Orange County, Chad Fothingham, Topa Jefferson, that started a company in 2007 and built a home care company just here. Uh, and it wasn't a franchise. It was just a, its own little company, which is usually the case with a, um, with a franchise, right? There's an entrepreneur that starts something just like uh, Five Guys Burgers. In fact, the story mm. of Five Guys Burgers is fantastic. If you listen to NPR's, how I built this. He talks about starting the business with his kids and the five guys. It was him and his and his boys. Um, and uh, and one of the kids was on the way. That's and they call it the five guys because there's one kid on the way. Uh, and they just started their own little thing. And then all of a sudden, somebody said, "I want to franchise." The same thing with Amada Senior Care. These two guys started Amada here in Orange County. And by 2012, there was somebody who wanted to start the first franchise. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Robert Christensen, who's a good friend now. Uh, he was a Pfizer guy. He's like, hey, I want to I start an Amata franchise in Washington. Mm. And Chad and Tafa said, well, we don't, we don't franchise. That's not what we do. But Robert was uh, persistent, and he became the first franchisee back in 2012. So that started the franchise. So I came on board back in 2012 with the franchise side of it to mm. grow franchise and now we're in about 120 locations throughout the country and it's been awesome hey so the zoom are do you control that zoom or is it just a, a stream yard wanting to zoom in and zoom out you know um so the tech that i'm using to power this this is actually Streamyard. so this is a live stream that we're doing here and what i have the ability to do on my end through the dashboard is to actually select different wow. types of 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 clips so in oh, real cool. time, I can kind of switch it up. Oh, look add, at that! Add some dynamics. You know, if something happens, like oh, I, I, I got, that. I got this. You know, I can, I can drop the commercial if I want to get salesy. Look at that. I That's can, all uh, through Streamyard. 
promote my book if I want. Oh, that's hey, shameless <laughs> plug. Well done. It was done. It was done. So uh, yeah, so this is all StreamYard. We actually have a partnership with them um, where you get a discount if you sign up from dub.com forward slash StreamYard. So uh, click on that. Yeah, that's our referral link. And it's a it's a powerful, powerful platform. We love it. Um, they do everything that Dub does not. They are all live, all synchronous. And then we, of course, live in the asynchronous pre-recorded realm. So yeah, huge fan of StreamYard. Interesting. Okay. So uh, so you're the one who's kind of zooming in and out depending yeah. on what you want to capture. I love it. I should try that. Yeah, man. Um, okay. So your question was is is and that's how we started with franchising. Um, and it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, uh, we it's been fun because we've really uh, made a determination of who it is that we want to sell franchises to, who we want to award franchises to, and I don't think a lot of franchisors do that. I think a lot of franchisors, when they start franchising, they just think, hey, let's just sell this franchise to whoever's got the money. Mm -hmm. kind of the criteria of franchising is if they've got the money, if they're nice, if they want to be successful, and if they've got the money, we'll sell them the franchise, right? And mm -hmm. uh, with us, we really wanted to create a franchise with, with people that we wanted to be with, hang out with, people that we thought could be successful. And uh, and that's what we've done. We, uh, um, the vast majority of our franchisees are uh, just amazing entrepreneurs. And so that I think has been the funnest part of the journey is um, starting these 120 businesses throughout the country with these amazing partners. It's been fun. That's tremendous. I mean, one of the one of the things that that I kind of um, learned in in the process of being exposed to the industry a little bit is this idea where some franchises in from a franchise development perspective, really what's being sold is a job. Yeah. You, you will own your job. Instead of making this much money at a company going in from nine to five, you're going to work a lot more hours, maybe, maybe not. And then you're going to own your job, which does that give you security? Maybe, maybe not. One of the things that I'd love to learn from you is how do you pitch the growth dream? How do you pitch that? How do you pitch you're going to start here and then you're going to go here based on locations, based on you know clients, revenue, so on and so forth? What's that process like? I was kind of lucky that way. The um, I've had both experiences. So um, my dad was a franchisee of Blimpies in the 90s. Ah. So we moved to the U.S. and uh, my dad needed a business so he could continue staying in the U.S. to get, to have his work visa, eventually become a permanent visa, and then a uh, uh, a citizenship and a green card citizenship. And so one thing that he decided is he would buy a franchise. He goes to a franchise show, actually Minneapolis, and he finds Blimpies. And the reason- How long did it take Blimpies, from finding it? I don't know if you know this, but how long did it take from finding it to actually buying? It was pretty fast because <laughs> my dad, my dad's goal was more, let me find a business that will allow me to stay in the US. Right. The other one was my dad wanted to go back to Provo, Utah, which my dad uh, and our family, we grew up LDS Mormon. And my dad always wanted us in Provo, in Utah, close to the church. And so he uh, he goes to this franchise show and he sees that there's a Blimpies. And uh, like it's a subway, right? If you get those of you guys in the West yeah. Coast, you may mm -hmm. not see, you may not know what Blimpies is, but it's just yeah. like subway. But it's a little cheaper to buy than subway. At least it was in the 90s. So my dad is like, why would I buy a subway when I could buy a Blimpies for less money? So that's what he does. He buys the Blimpies, but he bought an existing location in Provo, Utah. I mean, so here's my dad, right? It wasn't when he talked about how long did it take. Well, it took no time at all. It was 
It was a business turnkey. It was in Provo. It was for sale. He didn't even think about this is probably the worst idea of my life, which it was. Um, and so here we go. We moved to Minnesota. We went to Provo, Utah, and we ran the, the business there for, uh, I don't know, four or five years. And it was, it was the worst four or five years of our lives. Like it, it landed my dad in the hospital. It was terrible. My dad hated it. We hated it because it wasn't the right business. Okay. Talk like, to me it, about that. What was, what, why, what was the failure point on that? What, what can we take away from that? What can we learn? So in, and this is more in franchising. I think outside of the franchise industry, people go, well, of course, but in franchising, there's this concept that if you just follow the model, you can be successful. That's like saying that you could hire me to be the CFO of your company. I'm terrible with numbers. I can I can make the I can like make a strategy based on what numbers, but I don't want to be a CFO. It's like you telling me, come be the CFO of my company, and I'm just gonna give you a system. I'm gonna give you all the books. I'm gonna teach you how to be a CFO. I'm gonna be terrible at it. Like I don't care. It doesn't matter how good your system is to teach me how to be a CFO, I'm not gonna be good. Same thing in franchise. You know, so many retail franchises, fitness franchises, healthcare franchises, they sell their franchise to somebody like me or like my dad who are not the right fit. So with retail or with restaurants, you're dealing with customers every single day. You're making sandwiches for them. You have people complaining that you put mayonnaise on their sandwich. You have people not paying their bill and trying to, you know, return the sandwich. My dad had been a headhunter, a very successful headhunter in Brazil. And he was a professor at a, at a university. This is a guy who has a higher ego, right? Um, really wants a prestigious career and he wants to be able to be a prestigious kind of entrepreneur. That's not the guy you put behind the counter slinging sandwiches and asking, do you want uh, vinegar on that? Mm. It's just not the right guy. Now, and some people say, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Well, you're right. You know, you, you got basketball players, NBA players that will invest in uh, Jersey Mike's and they buy like 50 locations and they go and develop it. That's different, right? That you're a true entrepreneur that way. But when you're the operator, my impression is if you're going to operate that business, there better be something about you that will absolutely, you got to be the right driver. Mm. Don't go put a guy who's never run an indie race and make him go race cars. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. There's no reason to say I can teach you how to run a drive a car. No, man, get a guy who already knows. So um, ideally, the franchise is going to work, and it's not going to be so much of a job if you take somebody that really knows what they do. Um, so, so to, to to piggyback on that, when you when you asked about um, you know the the right match and how we do that in our business. Um, our very first franchise partner, Robert Christensen, he had been a pharmaceutical rep for 13 years. He had all the call points of the hospitals. He understood healthcare. Um, he understood the value proposition. He'd walked into thousands of hospitals. That's probably crazy. Hundreds of hospitals over the last 13 years. He knew exactly what to do. All we have to do is teach him, but now you're selling home care. He's like, oh, yeah, I got it. First guy goes out, uh, does $1.2 million in his first year. Mm. Wow. And did he have a sales or a marketing background? Well, he was a pharmaceutical rep. Oh, so that's right. You mentioned that. So he, he was, was a in sales. Rep. So he, and he was working a pipeline. He had a CRM. He was making yeah. calls. He was going through the motions. So, and then you take that. So 
take Robert Christensen in our model, boom, 1.2 million in his first year. I'm telling you, take an engineer at IBM who's got $5 million to invest, amazing entrepreneur uh, in some way, put him in our model, he's probably gonna fail. Mm. Because you're not you're not the right person for that model, and I don't think there's I don't think that's a bad thing to say that you need to be self aware enough about what makes you amazing. You and I were talking about that, right? That you you talked about how being a musician you have to become more aggressive. Like that self awareness, I think, is missing in a lot of entrepreneurs. So then they buy the wrong business, mm-hmm. and then they hate it. Well, isn't it funny that for a lot of people. Um, I, I'll say this. I'm a I'm a believer in the franchise model overall. Yeah, I think that too. it's gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's gone in, in a really interesting direction. And I think there's been a lot of very interesting corrections in the space that yeah. I've been very curious to, to see about um, Ch- Chick-fil-A being one of them, which I think we should get into at some point. But <clears throat> what I was going to say, though, is this sometimes getting into this space is a reaction and rejection of corporate America. Yeah. I reject, I just got fired. I'm tired of dealing with corporate drama. I'm tired of the boardroom. I'm tired of it. I don't want to deal with it. Right. Being bossed around and bureaucracy. And now I'm going to go do this. And and it's, it's like what, you know, Oprah Winfrey has this great quote. She says the intention in which you start something determines the outcome of it. Interesting. Right. So it's like if the intention in which we go and start a business is a big fat F you to corporate America or just tired of being bossed around, what is that going to look like on the other end five years out? What does that look like? Right. Maybe it's successful. You know, maybe you find the Tai Chi, the art in, in doing the craft and, and actually being behind the counter. I mean, I'll say this as a as a uh, son of immigrants and, you know, being in the South Asian community, one of the reasons and I'm allowed to say this since I'm since I'm South Asian, and my birthday is 7-Eleven, by the way. The reason why, <laughs> the, what I'll say is that the reason why immigrants do really well in franchises, in some of them, in my opinion, and I could be wrong about this, is because the idea of working behind the counter, having the wife, having the kid, not paying yourself a lot, being lean, putting in the hours, like grinding it, and like really feeling gratitude that you have a business. You know, people, customers are coming in buying your products and not yeah. feeling ego issues, not feeling like, oh my God, I just want to be on a beach somewhere. I just want to, you know, not feeling that, like actually putting in that grind and saying, you know what, I'm providing for my family. <laughs> you know, that that's a massive driver for success in my opinion. So, um, you know, what is your take on that in terms of how you gravitate, how you, you know, friend of how you market to, to potential buyers that, that are in that right mindset um, that are, it sounds like they should have a sales background maybe for your business. Tell me if I'm wrong. But how do you gravitate towards the right uh, profile? Yeah, that's it. it. They need to have a sales background. And mm. so after Robert Christensen came in, he was uh, our first franchise partner, 13 years of Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. And I said, Rob, what, what made you make the decision to acquire our business? He goes, well, I already knew exactly what I was going to do every single day of owning Amada Senior Care. I knew how I was going to do it. I know which hospitals I had to go to. So all I had to do is make a decision that did I want to do that for the next 10 years? He goes, yeah, I was happy to do that. He goes, I, I didn't hate my job. I just didn't want to be in corporate America anymore, to your mm. point. But he didn't hate what he did. So in Amada, he was able to take everything that he had learned and just apply it to our business. And it wasn't a surprise. It, it wasn't like my dad's surprise when he's behind the counter, you know, putting lettuce and tomatoes on a sandwich and going, I actually hate this. For Rob, it was, I know exactly what I'm getting myself into. So um, 
he he gave me that those pointers of what were his pain points and so I, I asked him do you think other folks at Pfizer feel the same way you do and could mm. be as successful as you are if they came to modest senior care and Robin said I think so mm. so we started advertising and going after folks from Pfizer and then we went to Abbott Stryker Merck Medtronic all these companies that had amazing salespeople in healthcare but all we did is we said hey Steve from Abbott um, if you have these pain points, if, if you're, you're feeling like, um, you don't want to be in a corporate America anymore, you hate having a boss, but you love healthcare, you love what you're doing. Hey, that was pretty slick. That was slick. If, if that's the case, then come check out a modest senior care. And we just put as an offer, just, just, this might be a solution to your pain. And then Amazing. when they come in, what I was lucky enough is that. Our first franchise partner, 1.2 million. Our second franchise partner does over a million. The third does 900 grand in his first year. It just was this, if the if a new prospect wanted to find out, well, is this for me? I'd say, I don't know. Why don't you call Robert? Ask him. Mm. Why don't you call Ken? Ask him. So they would just call our current franchisee. So I really looked out. I really did. We looked out that we went with our persona, your little slider guy, know your, mm -hmm. know your buyer. Uh, you you know your buyer profile and what you're selling them is revolutionary to them. Then I think you've got an amazing recipe. And so our, I don't believe our franchise partners feel that they have a job or they're stuck. Um, you know, our average franchise partner is at like 1.3 1.3 million by their third or fourth year. I think it is. Don't quote me on that, but they're doing great. Well, here's here are my takeaways on this and what I really love about this story. So number one, you know, as a marketer of of so many years, the hardest part is to is to is to know the profile, to know the buyer. It's the yes. hardest part. I love what I love how you preface this and you said it in the beginning. Does the person have a money, you know, the right money? Do they have the right yeah, net yeah. worth? You know, do they have the right net worth? And then check, yeah, right? Exactly. And and it's like, is that a recipe for success? Because the other takeaway, which leads me to my other takeaway, which is that you know your profile, you build a case study, you create a story centered around the case study, you find like-minded individuals in that pocket where it's not outside of the realm. And then you go and you build the tribe. And all of a sudden it's, it's like economies of scale. It's, you know, people selling for you. It's social proof. I mean, this is the marketer's dream. You know, I'm not saying I don't, I don't want to take your struggle for granted. I'm sure it's been challenging. I'm sure that there's been ups and downs and very yeah, curious to sure. see what COVID yeah, COVID's yeah. affected you. So I don't want to make it seem like it's turnkey millions of dollars, not the case anytime, but at the same time, I mean, this is, I think we all should learn from this, that if we can really target and then build success stories and then have those build on each other, um, it's the sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. So many people, I, I think it's so strange, man, when when people go, uh, hey, how do I do LinkedIn or or how hmm. do I reach people on LinkedIn or they want to learn Instagram or they want to learn how to, and, and it always goes back. The reason they're asking that is they don't know who their audience is because I never, it was so funny because we use LinkedIn a lot. Um, I don't think I ever asked anybody how to do LinkedIn, how to advertise on Facebook. Mm. Because I knew my audience so dead on that, I, that all I did is I went to Facebook and I said, is my audience on Facebook? And I just searched to find them. And I was like, oh, the, the audience is right there. Well, I went to LinkedIn. I was like, are medical device reps on LinkedIn? Oh, yeah, they're there. And I just 
clicked advertise, but I knew exactly what to say to them. Mm. Um, it, none of none of the marketing world is complicated. Mm. Like if, that, if you have dub, huh? If you have dub, it's even less complicated. If you're able to take a, a video and but you know exactly who you're trying to reach, <clears throat> none of it is that hard. You're exactly right. The hardest part is people sitting down and deciding, I want to reach this one person, this one type of individual. Yeah. So good, man. I mean, I I have um I'm so bullish on the franchise development space just because I feel like I know it enough to be dangerous. Yeah. And I feel, and I feel like the biggest problem is that communication. Now I cannot imagine what is it like to do friend dev right now where you're not shaking hands, where you're not meeting. Cause in all the experience that I had, there was a lot of that. I mean, I guess zoom's cool, but it, there was a lot of let's meet at the location. I mean, look, the world's not over. I'm physical stuff is, is, is still happening, but what did yeah. the world look like? What has it looked like for the last six months? It's been fine. It's been great. Okay. No problem. <laughs> Yeah. Well, for your for your space though, it seems like you were one of those. Were were you? Was your business a business that benefited or that got hurt from? COVID? No, we we benefited from the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I feel funny asking that question because you know, but I mean, hey, listen, listen, we have to be optimists, and nature yeah. <laughs> nature was communicating with us, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was good. What's kind of funny is I think for everybody, it was a pain in the ass. Quite, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. Right? Because. Um, it, we had to adjust, we had to change, we had to figure things out. And I remember Easter when the shutdowns are really happening, there's a lot of fear, but bottom line is, is, uh, we, we were very, very, very lucky that we were able to deal with all those issues. And the pandemic was actually a catalyst for our business. And I'm, I'm super every day, man, I'm super, super thankful that that's the case. Cause I know for a lot of folks, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was a bloodbath last year. Uh, so we're lucky. Hmm. Amazing, man. Um, I, I have a question for you. So yeah. how, how do you enter, <clears throat> enter a pre-exist? How do you, how do you become Ray Kroc? I mean, can I call you the Ray Kroc of your industry? I mean, you came into a franchise. <laughs> no, yeah. because Ray Kroc exploited them or what I did, you know, he owned it. That, so I've how do you, how do you become the Marcos? Oh, yes, you go ahead. You can. Yes. You may call me the Ray Kroc of friend. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to call you the Marcos. How do you become the Marcos of, of, where you go into a pre-existing business that has been established for years mm -hmm. and then come in and then gain such an important leadership uh, role. Like, how do you do that? Because a lot of people have a limiting belief that there's the, the folks that started this, you know, hundred years ago. And I'm there, I'm always going to be on this, on the sidelines. How do you overcome that? What was it a mindset thing? Was it a value thing? Were you just crushing it? Were you providing so much value that it was like you had to get it? Was it you raising your hand asking for it? Like, what does that look like? Is no, it was, uh, I I know how much credit I can take for that. I've just been in the franchise industry for a while before that. Mm. Uh, I knew the right people. Um, I had done well enough in the franchise industry to be uh, invited into the party. Um, so, so let me go back to, I think, I think, Going back to self-awareness that we talked about, the truth is, is I'm not an idea guy. I don't have a lot of good ideas. Like I, I'm not going to be probably, and I'm totally cool with this. I probably won't be the Jeff Bezos or the guy that creates something brand new um, because it's it's just not, not in my nature. There's also even a little bit of more risk adverseness in of my part where just starting something from scratch and going and building it. Hasn't been my history, and I know that about myself. 
So I am totally okay with building uh, an empire that somebody else built and being able to have a piece of that. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, and I'm also okay with driving people to go see Moses. You know Aaron, right? Aaron from the from the, the biblical times. Aaron mm -hmm. was the guy, and I'm not very religious, but I think it's an interesting thing. Aaron, when Moses was there, you know, saying, hey, do this, he's you know, you know that. Aaron was just there like holding the dude's hands up. He's like, you know, I, I got you, Moses. I'm, I'm Aaron, and I'm fine mm. with being Aaron. I don't have to be Moses. Being Moses kind of sucks sometimes. You know, <laughs> you're persecuted. People hate you. They kick you out. God's mad at you because you did something wrong. There's no reason. But no one was ever mad at Aaron. Right. Aaron was right. nice and fun. Everybody was like, you're amazing. So I'm okay with being Aaron. Maybe nice. that's part of the uh, the answer. You got to know who you are, you know, and be cool with, with who that is. Nice. So good. So where can we learn more about you? Um, social channels, your website? It's a good question. Just uh, LinkedIn. I'm there a lot. Instagram, Facebook. I don't know. Uh, but my name, my name is Marcos Mora. And uh, when you go on LinkedIn, you'll find me. It's kind of like finding you. I remember when I put your name on LinkedIn, boom, you came up right away. So find me there. Um, love to connect. Anybody has it? Oh, look at that. That's okay, okay, wait a minute. Did you just type that as I was speaking or you had that done before? Type. I was typing it. I don't even hear you typing. Yeah. I, my key, I have a, this is my mic here. So it's far enough away so that you don't hear it. Yeah. I've been doing that. I've, I've done 300 episodes, man. I I've like, I, and, and this is just, this is, this is a semi pro rig here. This is a semi pro mic. This is a semi pro setup. I prefer it like this because if it gets a little too techy, then I, then other kind of repercussions happen. So this is really flexible. If I want to stand up, I stand up. I I'm just adapting. I'm, I'm actually a student of, of, of Bruce Lee's, um, you know, and what I mean yeah. by that is that I studied Jeet Kune Do, which is this form of martial yeah, arts. Yeah, and, yeah. and his whole philosophy was, you know, he did away with a lot of the fancy stuff in Wing Chun and Kung Fu and a lot of these kind of more traditional legacy martial arts. And his whole thing was, you know, you take your, your longest weapon to the closest target and that's what you should use you don't need to do some of the wing chung stuff where you move that, that what value is that, that right yeah so i always i and that's one of one of my other mantras in business where i think like what is it that's most effective to me like would i record this video in zoom send it to an editor have the editor cut it up or do i do you know real time editing on the fly live awesome. And then get get you a YouTube link within within minutes after we're done, and then go to the next one. So, I I actually like this method more because it's easier and it goes to market faster. So a week doesn't go by because a lot could change in a week. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I love it. I'm going to start using this. I love. Nice. Um, you can also troll people, like because I don't know what you're going to write on that screen. You know, you mm. might this guy's full of crap. But except for I would see that, yeah. right? So always. That maybe always. That wouldn't work. Always. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. But, uh, that would be funny if I if I could write notes that you couldn't see. I'd be like, "Is he for real?" Yeah, like you could be talking to the audience, like this guy's full of crap, you know. <laughs> and the guy's like all going on and all the you know the things, and like that would be kind of you should put that in dub. dub there yeah. you go. There put you go. Love that, man. Well, um, amazing, amazing stuff, man. So uh, stick around for some notes. I'll kind of end it here. 
And I encourage folks to go connect with you, Marcos, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. And then what is your web address? Uh, the web address is amadaseniorcare.com. That's for the Amada company. If you'd like to learn more about that, uh, amadaseniorcare.com. Hey, by the way, last thing I tell everybody, I'm, I'm on this kick. I just listened. This is the weirdest thing. I just listened to Matthew McConaughey's uh, book, Green Lights. Mm. And it, in a weird way, kind of rearranged my brain. I've never, like, I don't follow Hollywood. I don't think anything, I never thought anything about the guy, but that was a fantastic book that rearranged my brain, especially after COVID. It's called Green Lights. Highly, highly, I'm such a big fan. And, and, he, and there's a whole chapter on his competition is him in 10 years and how he's waiting to, right? Because that was in his in his Oscar speech. That was, that was what he mentions that briefly only. Okay, okay, yeah. got it. But just, just so so pitch me on this book, change my mind, and I and I promise if I, if it sounds interesting, I'll go read it. So uh, on and you who are more of an audiophile, so we have like a minute here or something. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yep. So you, you're an audiophile. What what he did that I thought was cool is he reads the book, but he doesn't he doesn't just read the book. He actually reads it with he laughs through it. He mm. he takes like he's actually speaking to you, which which mm. just as a format. I thought was brilliant. Amazing. Um, I mean, how boring are some of those those books that we listen to? On a a Monday morning, Joe woke up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Steve Martin's books, I'm a huge Steve Martin fan, was kind of boring, not because of how it was written, but because of how he read it, which Mm. is like, dude, you're Steve Martin. You're supposed to read this thing like as Steve Martin. You're, you know, know, uh, Patch Adams. Yeah. No. No, that's not Steve Martin. No, no, sorry, sorry. Help me out. Help me out. You're you're uh, you're the wild and crazy guy. You're King Tut. You're Steve Martin. Saturday Night Live. Okay, uh, got it, got it. Yeah, you're thinking about Robin Williams. Got it, got he's, it, got, he's, it, he's got it. Every got time it. I remember Robin Williams because he's dead. Trading but, places. Trading places. Trading place. Done. I'm locked in. Not Steve Martin. Not Steve Martin. Damn. <laughs> Still not Steve Martin. Who is who is that? I'm trading- not even close to Steve Martin trading. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm checking IMDb. Who is in who is in trading places? Now I'm going crazy. Trading places was uh, Chevy. No, not Chevy Chase. Uh, oh, it was Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. I'm I'm so Aykroyd. close. I'm so I'm like. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm like Dana Carvey. No. 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 Steve Steve Martin um, was in a Father of the Bride. He's Father. Oh, I, of the Bride. I, I love Steve Martin. I love. I I can't believe I mix mixed that up. But, I love Steve Martin. So his audiobook is a little hard, but but so McConaughey. So that's just on not the story itself, but. I thought it was brilliant that he did that because it takes you on a journey. In mm. fact, as I was listening, it was funny because I would kind of have a smile on my face as I was listening. And sometimes I'd laugh out loud. Mm. You know, sometimes like, oh, this bad. And and it took you through a journey. But then the whole idea of green lights that he talks about is how, how he viewed struggles growing up mm. um, and how he approached those struggles. And, um, and it's not like, you know, it's kind of funny because it's not like the dude was in a war or he, he survived a famine or beat cancer. Like none of his things are that deep, but actually neither are mine. Hmm. I just want to be a good dad. I want to be a good entrepreneur. I want to leave a little bit of a mark on the world. I, you know, and so what I appreciated about his stories is that it, it helped me, I think, um, be a lot less serious about 
um, my approach to fatherhood, to being a spouse, uh, and to business. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm super thankful for that. Like it really actually left an impression on me and I never expected that to be the case. Somebody said, you got to read this. I was like, okay. Um, loved it. Loved it. Amazing. What a, what a good book rec, man. That's super cool. I mean, I think we are now in the realm of, um, edutainment. We are in the realm now of there's the apps like, you know, clubhouse, there's podcasts, there's YouTube shows, you know, we are being educated. We're being entertained. You know, there's, there's, there's chills that we get. There's excitement. There's dopamine that we get when we are engaged in a conversation like that. And I'm so inspired by that story because that's what I always try to do. I always try to, to really bring it, like bring my most authentic passion to the conversation. So I'm, I'm a fan. That sounds awesome. I'll check out that book. Do I think it, I think it was great. Thanks for the time, Marcos. You are welcome. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, obrigado. Stick around.